What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This is our second episode, and this week we are going to be analyzing the Strickland versus Hall card going down Saturday night. And we're going to get into all 13 of those fights shortly, but we do have to do a quick victory lap on last week because last week was the first formal episode of the podcast, and we started off on a great note. Ozzy, you want to start? You want to like just give a quick recap of our results? Say how many units you want on Bet MMA, and just give a quick, uh, you know minute or two synopsis of the card uh yeah sure you know it was a definitely you know really solid night clean clean night overall um you know on cards like like this where you know underdogs are cashing and you have like i had mentioned before um just very competitive matchups you know nothing that's you know very much over minus 200 um you know i i think that's kind of where we excel or i excel um so you you know the the elkins fight you know that that uh you know went really really well with you know him surviving uh i'm sure you know some people were able to pick him up at plus money in between rounds um obviously tj you know uh cashed uh, as a underdog in the main event um brendan allen you know amazing amazing fight by him really easy win for him as a dog uh you know imavov uh as well arce with an easy win belbita uh so really really good night overall um, and I think, you know, most of the fights kind of played out uh, how we were uh, anticipating for the most part. And would you win on bet MMA again? Uh, just just over 10 units, um, you know, just Something winning, like. yeah, winning, uh, winning on all uh, straight, you know, straight money line plays, which is what I, you know, try to focus on um, uh, more so. And, you know, it, it was good, you know. I, but it, it's all about these competitive fights, you know, it, and, 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 you know, staying on. Ali plays, not laying the juice, you know, avoiding, you know, some of these parlays and, uh, and, and, you know, get that, that's long-term success. You know, at the end of the day, you'll, uh, you'll find. Yeah. We both have a pretty similar sat strategy with going mostly underdogs and it pays off on a card like that. I think seven of the last eight fights ended uh, with the underdogs winning, got some lucky decisions. there, some fortunate judging on a few fights. Sure. But if you go and listen to last week's podcast, I honestly think like every single fight, we, we might not have been a hundred percent accurate, but I think we were like 75% accurate or higher on every fight. We both picked Belbita decision. We both picked Sajara inside the distance. We both said RSA was a comfortable favorite. And then pretty much all the last eight fights we said were dog or pass. Seven of the eight dogs won. The one favorite that won was Yanez at minus 250. He did win the fight, but I don't think he fully covered minus 250 there. So I, I mean, did I did pick Yanez TKO round two as yeah, well. There you go. So. <laughs> Another act. Yeah, um, I was pretty off in that fight. That was probably my, my worst prediction of the card, but yeah. uh, six-unit profit for me on BetMMA. Uh, some great live betting spots there as well, uh, and it was just a, a great card top to bottom. So uh, with that being said, we're going to get into the first of 13 fights, and we're going to start things off in the welterweight division with uh, Orion Kasi and Phil Rowe. Uh, Kasi is the minus 143 favorite, and Rowe is plus 123. So I already have a bet tracked in this fight. I have uh, 0.75 units on Rowe, plus 135, I think. Um, I saw some people talking about this line, decided to tape it, and I was reminded about how bad of a fighter Orion Kasi is. He's just too raw. A lot of his wins are over low-level competition, and I think he did have a good win on the Contender Series against Dixon, but a lot of that had to do with Dixon gassing out. But you still got to give uh, Kasi some credit for having good cardio in that fight. Uh, but I still saw some weaknesses from him there. 
His striking looked pretty basic from the southpaw stance, not really much depth to his game. And he also got pushed against the cage pretty easily. He got taken down a few times. And Dixon doesn't really have a top game, but Phil Rowe, I was actually surprised uh, about how good of a grappler he was rewatching some of his footage. In the green fight, although he struggled in the striking versus green, he had a few good moments, a few key reversals on the ground. He was able to pass and mount a few times. So Roe is actually a better top position grappler than I expected. And I kind of give Roe advantages everywhere here. I think he is the more experienced striker. I think he's going to be a little more comfortable when the fight's in the feet. I think Roe is the better overall grappler, probably has the wrestling ability to take him down. But even if Kasi chooses to take him down, Roe can really easily reverse position like he did on Gabriel a few times there. Some really nice like half guard sweeps that he pulled off. So I kind of favor everywhere. Uh, I kind of favor Roe everywhere here. Um, the only reason I'm not going a little heavier on him is it uh, doesn't have the best durability is kind of susceptible to leg kicks and he's just not that proven overall. He only has about 10 fights. So I'm willing to have a small bet on row here plus money. I think this should be closer to evens and uh, I'll pass it over to you now, Ozzy. Uh, yeah. So row, um, you know, I also like row here. Um, he, you know, he's coming into this fight uh, after that, you know, fight with Gabe green where he showed, you know, kind of what, you know, who Phil Rowe is. He's, you know, a guy who's been training down there in Florida I think he's been a training partner for a lot of the, you know a lot of more of these higher level guys than he was and he's he took a lot of his lumps in the training room and he was you know rewarded eventually with a opportunity on the contender series won that you know took like a year in between there I think to get to his UFC debut and you know he showed that you know he's a competent grappler you know he knows his strengths he knows how to use his attributes uh you know to 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 get to spots where he's comfortable uh, especially in the grappling and uh, on, on the feet, he, he's a bit fragile, uh, you know, from the, you, you saw those leg kicks that really hurt him against Gabe Green. Uh, he had, you know, he's susceptible a bit to, to punches uh, just just with his length. And, you know, if you slip in, you know, you're able to, to potentially catch his chin. But overall, I agree. Uh, looking at Orion, um, I, you know, I he was plus like 350 against Dixon in his uh, contender series fight. Dixon gassed horribly, you know, in the second and third rounds and, and, and let Orion really take that fight over. But, you know, Orion, he's not accurate. He kind of closes his eyes sometimes and he throws shots. Um, he's in that southpaw stance, but he doesn't really, you know, have a, a, a volume based approach. It's all power, but he has kind of like, you know, very short arms and short range. And I think here against Roe, unless he's comes out with a very high IQ, uh, you know, game plan for his, you know, because he it's not something like the approach that he would need against Roe is not something that he's used to doing. I just think it'll be completely foreign to him. And, you know, eventually, you know, they're, they're going to just start start scrapping. So um, I think Roe eventually, you know, gets on top. He maybe hits one of those like, you know, half guard single leg sweeps or he's coming up on that leg. You know, he's got to be careful with those shots, you know, those like elbows, Travis Brown or, you know, just punches when you're shooting in on the legs. But I think Roe eventually gets the top position, put you know, probably puts some damage on Kosi and maybe looks for a submission. And then he just needs to look out for Kosi, you know, just because he is stronger um, for sure, uh, has some wrestling, you know, coming up from on bottom and uh, and putting Roe on his back. But I like Phil Roe here as well. Um, and, you know, we've seen the line move to in his favor uh, significantly. Yeah, it should be a submission or decision win uh, for Roe. 
uh, at some point. And we're going to move on to the next fight. We're in agreement there. One thing, we also both bet Gabe Green last fight, and we're both betting Phil Rowe now. Um, so our opinion of him has uh, improved, even though he lost that last fight a little bit. Uh, next fight is in the Bantamweight division. We got Ronnie Lawrence as the minus 147 favorite, taking on Trevin Jones as the plus 127 underdog. Ozzy, you can start this one out. Uh, honey, the heat. All right, my guy, you know, really, really like, uh, you know, Ronnie, uh, you know, spotted him when he's coming in on the contender series against Jose Johnson, or he was, you know, plus like 250, insane price, had him, you know, huge there. Um, and he's a really talented guy. You know, you look back at his tape, uh, his fight against uh, Armfield in uh, LFA, I believe it was, um, awesome fight, you know, really, really showed um, how talented Ronnie is, and Armfield is legit, and these guys, those two guys actually train together now down in that, uh, in, in uh, Stanford MMA, which, you know, just has such a crazy roster of guys. Um, so, yeah, Ronnie's... Uh, looked great in his UFC debut against uh, Vince. You know, he showed that takedown heavy approach. Um, but, you know, he's going against uh, Trevor Jones, who was underrated, you know, coming into the UFC. You know, got that win against uh, Team Ervaliev. And then, you know, people are like, oh, it's a fluke. It's a fluke. It's, you know, he's a, he's a fluke. Um, and you know that I was all over Jones against Batista. Uh, and he looked, he looked amazing in that fight, I thought. Uh, you know, really good leg kicks found his range, you know, and, and would just look dangerous, like the whole fight, uh, you know, wasn't intimidated at all. And, you know, I think he's skilled. I think he's going to, uh, Trevor Jones is going to win multiple fights in the UFC. I think he's, he's really talented everywhere. Um, but I think in this fight, he's going against a, a, a pretty high level prospect in Ronnie Lawrence that, uh, has a very, um, judge friendly style like he has a, a style that's friendly to winning fights um i think it's gonna be a scrap i think you know uh ronnie probably looks to to throw a lot of kicks um while they're on the feet but he's got to be careful because jones has a really accurate left hand um and i think he will be will be uh trouble for him you know he won't be a pushover uh on the feet but i think lawrence probably gets some clinch time here you know at some points after after you know some takedowns some, some scrambling and i think he he tries to edge out a decision you know this fight's fate it's kind of like 50 50 to go to i think it's more you know this is a fight that'll likely go the distance um i like lawrence i don't know if i'm gonna bet him here yet you know i've been teeter-tottering but i think this fight um i think this fight goes the distance so um but you know i definitely would pick uh ronnie here definitely favor him yeah, I agree with some of that. Not so much on the uh, goes the distance part. I think this one is pretty live to end by finish, either a Jones finish early or a Lawrence finish late. And I have a pretty common opinion on this one. I think Jones is the better striker. The fight should favor him on the feet. Uh, but Ronnie is the better grappler, has solid wrestling, can wrestle for the hard 15 minutes. And that's going to go a long way in the UFC. I, I agree with what you said about Jones winning fights. I think both these guys are going to be around for the next three to five years. Uh, and Jones has very good power for the Bantamweight division. He cannot be ignored on the feet. Lawrence does kind of get reckless coming in at times, doesn't have the best boxing defense. So Jones could easily connect with a, a punch early on here and put Lawrence out. But I think he's probably going to need that early knockout or else the pace, the wrestling, the pressure of Lawrence is going to start to add up and the fight will just go too heavily into Lawrence's favor. So I'm slightly favoring Lawrence here. I got one unit on him at minus 135. I think he should be minus 150 minimum where the line is at now. Um, but I do respect Jones. I think Jones... 
uh, knockout plus uh, honey money line should be able to get you some guaranteed profit here. And I saw Jones knock out a plus 350, which I thought was pretty generous. I was expecting it to be closer to uh, plus 200 or something like that. So uh, I think that's a good way to play this fight for guaranteed profit. But I'm going to be picking uh, Ronnie by either decision or a late round three finish. And we're going to move on to the next fight in the women's strawweight division. We got Ashley Yoder as the minus 145 favorite taking on Jinyu Fry as the plus 125 dog. I'll start this one out. And I like Jinyu Fry here. I got another bet already on this fight. Got three track bets in the first three fights. I kind of just realized that. But uh, I'm betting Frey here. I got her at plus 116. Um, but I'm honestly willing to add a little bit more if it keeps going up. I just don't think that Yoder's... Don't. No, no, no. We got to disagree <laughs> on this one, Ozzy. Uh, um, I just don't think Yoder can really justify minus 150 against many women in the UFC. Like Suri Kondo, sure, she can justify it. But against Fry, who is competent everywhere, she's a decent southpaw striker. She's good in the clinch. She can stop takedowns. She's not too good on the mat. I will say that Yoder might be the better overall grappler, but Fry's been training uh, her jiu-jitsu a lot. If you check her Instagram, she's been uh, in the 10th Planet gym in Texas. I don't really rate 10th Planet too highly, but still, it's good to see her working on her weaknesses. And Frey also just moved up to 115 like a year ago, so her body's got to be getting a lot more used to this weight class. I think each and every fight at 115, she's going to look a little bit better. And I think Fry looked pretty competent in her last fight against uh, De Paula, she showed a good ability to like exploit her opponent's weaknesses with the takedowns, just easy body lock takedowns, easy top position. And she really won that fight in a very effective way. And I just think this fight will be 50 50 everywhere. I think uh, the striking and the clinch, the grappling exchanges, they're all going to be close. Ashley Yoder is always in close fights, tons of split decisions. And Yoder always ends up on the ground and she always ends up in like these weird positions that you never see in any other fights besides Ashley Yoder fights, like weird 50 50 um, triangle positions uh, that happened in the Granger fight, the Marcos fight. It happens constantly. So I just think Frey will be competing the entire time. I capped this at 50 50 and I'm going to side with Frey to win a decision here. So I like her as an underdog. Uh, Ozzy, I think you're disagreeing on me here, but uh, what's your take on this fight? Uh, I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing. <laughs> I just do not feel anybody can uh, either. Like, I mean, you know, Ashley Yoder is like, what? What's her record? Like eight and seven or seven and six? I have no idea what it is. But, you know, Jeter Frey's record is, you know, very similar. Like these, these girls do barely win, you know, fights and they don't <laughs> win it very convincingly is a problem. Now, you know, what I think the issue is when I'm looking at this fight, and I am not advocating to lay juice on Ashley Yoder. I would never do that. But what I'm saying is, I think uh, people look at the GU phrase last fight versus GDP, who we'll get into later, and they say, oh, okay, you know, she, she took her down, she held her down, you know, she'll do that to Ashley Yoder. I don't think that that's, you know, uh, likely because. I would say Ashley Yoder is a better grappler than Gloria DePaula, um, or at For least sure. she would be and would be more active. You know what I mean? Like she's not, she's not gonna just lay there. Like like you said, she always ends up in these, you know, obtuse, like you know, just flipped over, you know, <laughs> positions all the time. So if that happens, what what happened when that you know something similar like that happened? Uh, in her UFC debut against Kay Hansen. She got armbarred, right? When Kay Hansen 
did that, you know, kind of like hip throw and then like jumped into like a triangle, armbar, whatever it was, and finished her. So I just feel like she has like kind of like bad instincts and she'll like panic if uh, if things start going hairy uh, against her. So, you know, as but she, she was, one one quick point there, I, yeah. she was like plus 170 against uh, Hanson and like was fully covering that price up until yeah, that she, point, too. She does well, I mean, kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> it was one one, it was one one, but you know, Yoder is big for the weight class, she has a four, four and a four, four and a half inch reach advantage. Um, so, you know, I'm not I'm not knocking a play on GU Frey. I just don't feel like, you know, it's something to be excited about. Yoder has never been finished. So I would probably try and just bet Frey by decision because Frey is not going to finish her. I mean, that yeah, would be, I agree. be crazy if she did. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I could see why, I you know, you'd be like, hey, this fight should be a pick em. But I also, you know, uh, Yoder... Oh, man, just Yoder's so frustrating. I just can't believe, you know, she's still in the UFC. But yeah, man, I'm 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 gonna pick Yoder just because, you know, she needs to beat somebody, and I just don't think Gigi Frey is very, uh, you know, aggressive enough, like assertive enough. If if the going gets tough, so I'll pick Yoder by decision. Nice. Uh, one more thing about Frey. Definitely Frey's. not apparently, going to bet this way. Uh, apparently, Frey is not training at Fortis for this camp. Um and she was for the last camp so who knows how she'll look um but one fun prop for this i saw this on DraftKings: fight ends by split decision is plus 250 and that's not a bad bet in any ashley yoder fight um all right we're going to move on to the next fight we have in the featherweight division we got kai kamaka taking on danny chavez really fun fight uh kamaka slay favor minus 116 Chavez minus 104, but this line has been back and uh, bouncing back and forth. It seems like Kamaka is going to close a slight favorite at this rate. And I started the last one, so you can start this one off, Ozzy. Uh, yeah, so it's, you know, fight here uh, with guys. I think Kamaka, yeah, Kamaka lost his last fight to TJ Brown. Um, so both of these guys coming off decision losses where they kind of, you know, I guess slowed down a little bit down the stretch. Um, Kamaka. Um, you know, coming into that Tony, uh, that Tony Kelly fight was, you know, a bit of a prospect Hawaiian kid coming out of uh, extreme couture. He's got a really good, you know, skill set overall, uh, you know, you know, good strikes, uh, you know, can mix it up, uh, going to, to the clinch or, you know, to the ground, you know, in that TJ Brown fight, I think it was mainly, he just wasn't doing enough and, you know, it was a, Really just good performance overall by by brown um i think i scored the fight for kamaka when i first watched it but it was super close um i think in this fight against chavez uh chavez if he does not get that low kick going you know i don't think he is has enough prolonged success against a guy in kai kamaka who you know he has to be really hungry coming into this fight after you know that last result um you know chavez i think easy got a game plan for take away that low kick pressure him a little bit you know let's grapple with this guy a little bit put him against the fence um you know uh kamaka was training a lot with uh sterling you know when while sterling's been in uh in vegas and doing a lot of grappling uh with him is uh so i think he he eventually looks to take this fight to the ground you know grind uh chavez down a bit and uh you know i think it's mainly just avoid that calf kick he did eat a bunch of them versus 
uh tony kelly so that's maybe a little bit of a concern and he does stand in that like wide you know hawaiian you know samoan <laughs> you know freaking power power stance like they're doing a haka or some shit so you know he might get his like kicked up kicked a bit but if not i think chavez i don't think chavez is that good like i think that tj brown if he fought him again like tj brown would beat him uh you know he just was he got that variance leg kick game going and you know it worked so you know he won that fight but i i like kaikamaki here yeah i agree with pretty much all that uh chavez is probably the faster guy of the two i just don't think he has enough ways to set up his striking like you said very reliant on that leg kick very reliant on his right hand but he kind of throws single strikes at a time while Kamaka might not have the highest output or he doesn't really pressure his opponents that much, but pretty much every time he throws a, a strike, it's in combination and he fires like three or four strikes off with it. And I just think he's a bit more layered as a striker than Chavez is. Uh, but I do see the leg kick being a possible problem for either guy, honestly, because Chavez got his leg kicked a lot by Gordon, got really easily pressured, pushed back to the cage, was uh, pushed against the cage and taken down a few times as well. And Gordon really just comprehensively beat Shava is pretty much everywhere in that fight. Cardio, wrestling, striking. The story is on. Yeah, we uh we cashed on him as an underdog there. Uh pretty lucky that fight even went through with that four pound weight miss by uh Gordon, but that that went to our benefit there. Um and Kamaka, I agree with what you said about him being a little more urgent here. Let that TJ Brown fight slip away. I do disagree with the decision. I kind of thought it was closer to three rounds to zero for Kamaka than it was to one for Brown. And I just think he'll come out a little more aggressive, throw more strikes in the feet. And I think he could possibly even look to mix up with a takedown. Uh, if you watch the, the stack fight in LFA, which is honestly probably the best LFA fight I've ever seen Kamaka versus stack. Uh, Kamaka was having trouble a little bit in round two there, but in round three leaned on his wrestling, got that late takedown, kept top position for the whole round and was able to win the fight that way. So in a fight where it could be 1-1 heading into round three, Chavez typically slows down in round three. Kamaka has that wrestling to lean on. I think that that wrestling and that takedown could be big for Kamaka here. So I like Kamaka here as well. I haven't bet on him yet. Um, I don't know if you said it, if you have, but uh, around evens, I, I think it is a somewhat appealing. Uh, I'm a big fan of Kamaka. I've bet on him in most of his fights so far. So I think he should be like 55% here, minus 130. Uh, yeah. So we'll see where this line ends up. Yeah, I think main thing too is to consider is that like Kamaka had that fight against Tony Kelly and that fight against uh, TJ Brown. The same month. Oh. Yeah, and TJ Brown, where you know he sold down a little bit in the third round for sure. But those are freaking crazy. And the stack fight, those are crazy fight. Like they're high paced fights. Like they were going at it. The fight between Chavez and Gordon, it wasn't that high paced. You know what no, I mean? Like it was. And he he sold down significantly there. So you know, I give I give Kamaka the cardio advantage uh, there, and you know, so I, I think I think Kamaka should be you know favored more here. So yeah, let's uh you know let's get that win, Kamaka. Yep, and we're going on to a fight in the lightweight division next. A very popular favorite this week to our surprise, Hafa Garcia minus 305 taken on Chris Gritzmacher plus 255. I'll start this one off. I was initially interested in Gritzmacher here, and I still think it is dogger pass, but re-watching that fight of Hernandez versus Gritzmacher, Gritzmacher did look pretty old, slow, physically shot, perhaps. I mean, it was against a, a much better fighter than Garcia, much more athletic and fast fighter in Hernandez, but I mean, he, he made Hernandez look really good there, and that's not uh, something many fighters can do. 
So I do think you have to question if Chris Mocker is shot. He did look decent against Joe Lozon back in 2018, but that was over two years ago. Actually, no, three years ago now. Um, so it's kind of hard to to rely on that Gritzmacher of three years ago to come back. If that the Gritzmacher from that Lozon fight shows up here, I think he'll be standing toe-to-toe with Garcia. It'll be minus 150 Garcia at best. But with the, the Gritzmacher we saw in that last fight, I, it's hard to put much faith into Garcia. But I don't think Garcia is very good at, mu- uh, at anything. I mean, most of his wins are submissions over low-level uh, Hispanic fighters. Not really the highest jiu-jitsu pedigree is going on hey, down hey. there. Relax, watch it. Yeah, yeah, my fault, my fault. Um, but you know, you you learn your jujitsu in New York. It doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, um, I gotta. You know, they 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 need an infusion of uh of Americans down there. Yeah, the Brazilians need to move a little bit north. You know, um, but Garcia just really isn't that good at anything. I mean, he's durable. I'll give him that. He he definitely seems tough. He went into that Nasrat fight. Uh. Kind of took the fight to Nasrat, came out aggressive, uh, took some big punches in Nasrat, and kept fighting. Kind of conceded defeat after halfway through that fight. Didn't really look to have too much interest in the second half of the fight. Um, Garcia can wrestle a bit. His boxing's okay. I just don't think he's really great at any area of MMA. So I don't see where he's going to blow Gritzmacher out of the water. Um, I guess I'm going to be picking Garcia still. I, I think I'll pick him by knockout just in case Gritzmacher is completely shot, like I said. But I, I have a hard time seeing. Garcia cover minus 300 here besides that quick round one finish. So uh, what do you think in here? You think uh, there's any value on Gritzmacher, Ozzy? Uh, so <laughs> this is a tough fight because Gritzmacher, you know, when he was on tough, when he went on tough, he was undefeated or he was uh, 11 and one or something like that. And I was like, man, okay, this guy's kind of tough. You know, he won two fights on, uh, on tough. You know, got knocked out by the goat, so everybody gets knocked out by the goat. So no shame no there. No issue there. Yep. No, no issue there. Exhibition fight as well. So you know, moves on, and he fight. You know, he gets a few fights, but he's fought. You know, tough dudes in the UFC. Like other than that debut fight, um, and you know, he looked okay in them. I guess, like you know, I've always you know, Gritzmacher is just a guy. You know, you saw him in that Lozon fight. He's just a nasty dude. He's just like fuck it. I'm walking forward. You know, I'm not. You know, you could hit me. It doesn't matter. Uh, he's like kind of, you know, like he reminds me a little bit of uh, like Court McGee a bit, but I guess like maybe like a more probably a bad comparison because Court McGee doesn't get yeah, as many punches. I see it, stuff. but like kind of that like kind of style of guy, just you know, lunch pale dude. You know, he's the only way he beats you if with pace and cardio and and have some wrestling at the end of the day. You know, Hoffa Garcia, I thought he was kind of cool dude when he was coming into UFC. I like. I don't know uh, in what condition, like how I saw his fights against Humberto Bandene and Eric Gonzalez, but I saw it uh, like, all right, well, this is a Mexican dude, you know, young, amazing cardio, uh, doesn't stop, you know, pretty good wrestler. Um, but I thought he was going to be fighting in the UFC at 145. He's at 155. You know, I think you saw that in that Nasrat fight. He didn't really have the power to bother Nasrat at all. And I don't think he's really going to bother uh, Gritzmacher with many strikes. Like, you know, Alex Hernandez hit this dude with the kitchen sink. And that's why he went, he went unconscious. You know, uh, I don't think that 
Garcia has that kind of zip uh, that that Hernandez has in the first round. So if Gritzmacher, you know, takes some kind of approach, I think you know maybe he can make this a fight where he he's uh, he's competitive in the rounds. Um, you know, Garcia I know is training in Colorado with Whitman, so you know his cardio is always going to be good, but maybe it gets a little bit even better. With, uh, with, you know, training at elevation there. But, you know, I think Chris Mocker could be competitive here. I Like, there's no way I would want to lay minus 200. Why would you want to lay minus 300? 300, my bad, uh, on a guy who has never, has not won a UFC fight. Like, how are you, like, why why would you do that? So it just doesn't make any sense. Uh and these are the kind of fights like UFC veteran like this, a guy like Ritzmacher, who, you know, like you said, his grappling might be just a little bit, you know, a, a step ahead. Like this guy, you know, rolled with Davi Ramos, rolled around with Joe Lozon, you know, was uh, was on the Ultimate Fighter like six, seven years ago. So, you know, he he's definitely definitely comes and definitely comes from a grappling based, uh, you know, background. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll keep my eye on this uh, this fight. Maybe the decision props too. I think both these guys are tough. Um, I don't really see. I don't really see a finish. You, do you see a finish here? Like no, but I, I also bet goes the distance in Chris Mocker Hernandez, which you know went yeah, down in flames. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, I, you know maybe look at Chris Mocker decision. You know it's plus five hundred. So yeah, and if if Garcia is going to win cleanly, it's going to be like a quick knockout. But I mean. When the guy wrestles, he can't really keep top position. at a knockout, man. Yeah, I just don't see that. Yeah, I agree. This guy's going to decision with Humberto Bandanai. Yeah, but he, I think he wrestled throughout most of that fight. Um, and but I just don't see good top position from Garcia either. He can like hit like a high amplitude takedown, but he doesn't keep top position. I've seen him get reversed. Uh, Eric Gonzalez is probably the best opponent he's beaten, and Gonzalez beat him up pretty bad in round one before like kind of gassing pretty hard in the second round. So, um. Yeah, no way you could be laying uh, 300 on Garcia. I guess just just stab on Gritzmacher and don't overthink it. Um, and we're gonna move on to the next. I'm going fight. with uh, the I'm going I'm going with the over, man. I, that, that was a play I wasn't even thinking about until now, but you know I think this fight goes. You know, isn't it's a pretty. I think it's a pretty popular pick. That it's the under. You check out at MMA. I feel like I've been seeing under the under is pop. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, holy crap! No, you're right because the over was mine open minus one seventy five, and now it's minus one thirty. But don't do you see what I mean? Like what? I do. Uh, like Gritzmacher, he'll eat the punches. You know, so unless he truly know. is shot, unless he is shot. Yeah, his shit. Know. I think it, he could be, but this Hoffa Garcia is a small guy for one fifty five. It, yeah. like it's not easy to knock the like that you saw how many punches it took uh, hernandez yeah. to knock him out it takes i was re-watching shot. that today i don't know why but i just found that knockout like hilarious the way that grismacher just stiffened up from that i don't i don't know yeah, why but knock- i mean honestly it was a bad knockout but it was a, you know it was that was uh nine months ago so his uh his brain is uh yeah. he's good he might have waken up a little bit nine yeah. months to the day he's good that, that's that's uh that's all you need facts um we're gonna move on to the next fight featherweight division we got two guys making their ufc debut melsic bogdazarian minus 135 colin anglin plus 115 you're gonna start this one off ozzy uh what are you thinking about these uh this glorified contender series fight i love it it's like a contender series bracket man it was like (laughs) that's what they should do why don't they do that they're like hey look we're gonna put you guys in a bracket it's gonna be like a pseudo bracket i think it'd be more interesting dana You know, do that, Sean Shelby. Get on it. We anyway, want cut. We want, uh, you know, 
You know what I mean? It's all about hype. Nowadays, all this stuff is about hype. So yeah, like PFL, guy... you don't, you don't, they're not the highest level of fighters, but when you put them in a bracket, it gets instantly more entertaining. Contender fucking champion. Let's go. Intercontinental champion. Come on, Dana. Let's go. You know, take a page out of Vince's book. He listens. He listens every week. Of too. course. Of course. Why wouldn't he? Especially now that I'm on the feed. But, yeah. um, no, so, you know, we got this fight here. Uh, two guys on the contender series, you know, Anglin was uh, was a pretty big underdog. Um, got his ass whooped for, for a bit, but this dude's just tough. Like, you know, I think wrestling background, um, you know, kind of just like a wrestle grappler, but he he's not like particularly good on top. Like, he looks like um, the kind of uh, wrestler who the first few years, you know, he wasn't you know that good, but then you know he kind of grew into it a little bit, but um. You know, Melsic though, I think this dude is kind of serious. I think he, I think he's got some potential. Um, he's jacked. I mean, this guy's massive, uh, and has amazing power. You know, amazing power coming from that left hand side. Um, you know, he's he's training with the, you know, Glenn, you know, from with uh, Edmund, you know, and uh, all those Glendale guys. So he's Armenian, uh, and and he's tightening up his uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu. Uh, with uh, Edwin Najmi, uh, he's training there. I think a few times a week, and I think that contender series fight. You know, I think people knock his cardio a little bit, but you know, I think he he showed himself pretty pretty well. You know, that was a fight against uh, Dennis, who is is definitely legit. I've seen Dennis fight in person in Ring of Combat, uh, and he's definitely a really really tough guy um, and very well rounded. Um, and you know, it was a fight where Melsic came out, you know, was landing, you know, most of his shots right to the body, to the head, both with his hands or his kicks. And then when they did get to the grappling situations, he stayed pretty safe. He even had some offense. So, you know, I think if he doesn't gas, I think Anglin's kind of drawing a little bit dead here. You know, I, I didn't really think his takedowns were, you know, particularly good, um, you know, or really set up. It was kind of like he was, you know, hanging on the guy and, you know, um, I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, he he kind of, Naimov? Naimov. Naimov or something, yeah. Naimov. Naimov, you know, ended up just tiring out and Anglin was able to get a few takedowns, but he was never able to find a finish and it was not that high pace of a fight. And I saw Naimov then after at in, in the Titan FC fight against, uh, you know, for the title there. And he gassed in that fight too. So the guy's just a gasser. Um, and, you know, and Anglin was able to beat him. But I think here... Uh, you know, Melsic, I think, is able to put some damage on him early on uh, and, and hopefully get him out of there. And I think at minus 130, you know, if it's minus 130, I think there's some minus 135. I think yeah, that he's, uh, I think that he might have some value. I know, you know, people knock his uh, strength of schedule for sure. He hasn't fought anybody, all right? Like, definitely. No, he's fought nobody. But Dennis is legit. And I think this guy trains with good enough people and he's been out for like a year too so he's been getting better um anglin has as well it's it's a close fight but uh you know aside with melsic yeah i agree with pretty much everything there and melsic really surprised me on the contender series like when you see a guy coming into a fight with like four quick round one knockouts he had never been tested really never fought more than 30 seconds you kind of think he's going to start round one well, and if he doesn't win in round one, he's going to lose. But I thought Melsic's cardio was actually pretty good for not having ever been out of round one. 
for not having ever been past 30 seconds. I think he did like slow down a little bit, but he, he fought well, even when he was tired, he still has really fast strikes. I think he's going to be way faster than Anglin on the feet here. I mean, if you look at the way Anglin was striking with some like really low level fighters on the regionals, just a couple fights ago, I mean, he was like going toe to toe with like one and two fighters having competitive fights, eventually like breaking them down after six or seven minutes and winning. But I mean, Melsic would have got, got those guys out of there in 30 seconds. Um, I just think we're dealing with different levels on the feed here. Melsic obviously has that kickboxing background. And I agree with what you said about his takedown defense. Uh, Bazookia got a few trip takedowns, but Melsic got back up, hit his own offensive takedown at one point. And for having never fought past 30 seconds, I, I think Melsic did like as good as humanly possible for that fight. Uh, I think he looked really good everywhere. Um, so I think he's an outstrike angling here. I think, like you said, the only way I see uh, Melsic losing is, is guessing out. But I think he, he should be a bigger favorite than he is now. I think he should be over minus 150. So uh, might have to lock in some action on him. Uh, minus 135, I think that's a good price, especially considering that he's probably going to be winning the fight early on. If uh, Anglin wins, it's probably going to be the second half of the fight, so you might as well just live bet Anglin if he's uh, dealing with the striking well. So uh, I like Melsic here. Probably will end up with a, a one-unit bet on him. It doesn't feel great betting a, a contender series guy as a favorite, but I think Melsic proved enough in that last fight that I'm comfortable backing him in this type of matchup against uh, Anglin. So uh, we're in agreement here. Yeah, people have been smashing that uh, Melsa KO prop too. So, you know, I think decision is, is somewhat possible enough that you might as well just take him his money line, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I'm a money line guy, but, you know, I think that prop open like plus what 325 on bet online is down to plus 210 now. So, really, yeah, not I, I, I understand why. Um, we're going to move on to the last fight on the prelims in the Bantamweight division. We got former UFC champion, put some respect on her name, Nico Montano, minus 275 against Wu Yanan, uh, one of China's best female fighters yeah. in history. In history. Yeah. Um, so I think you started the last one. I guess I got to go first on this one. Yeah, um, that's right. Go I ahead. Think I think Montano should be good to go here. I mean, even with the two-year layoff, even though uh, she's never won a fight at Bantamweight, or maybe she has before the UFC, uh, but I don't think she's won a UFC fight at Bantamweight. I think even like 70% of Montano should be good enough to beat Wu. Wu is an awkward striker, a bad defensive grappler. I mean, look at the way she lost to, to Edwards, honestly. She made Edwards look really good out there. Um, so I just don't think Wu is good at any aspect of MMA. Maybe she arm bars Montano from bottom or something, uh, but Montano should be able to hit easy takedowns. <laughs> Honestly, the striking though could be close. Like if Montano decides not to wrestle for some unforsaken reason, like I think it could be close, maybe even favoring Wu. Um, like Mizuki anyway, like cleanly beat Wu one time, but that was in China, and then the judges still gave uh, one scorecard <laughs> to Wu. So maybe she woos the judges into thinking Ooh. that she won. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but Montano wow. should cover minus 200. If you got in on her, like minus 200, <laughs> obviously. Uh, it's minus two seventy five. What's what the hell is so funny over there? You know, it's your I mean, turn. This, I just, I just think this fight is freaking hilarious. Like Wu is. Wu is 25, right? She's no had a, 
that's so they say hey i'm just you know i'm just going yeah, off the, the chinese have never lied about their athletes i'm just going off the information i'm given okay true so she's three and one in the ufc okay no she's she, not a one one and three excuse me one and three yeah <laughs> one and three <laughs> so um you know the fight against jocelyn edwards is just hilarious and i mean this should be a gimme for nico montano like nico actually has grappling ability in the women's division like it's very good um you know it was very disappointing to see how bad she gassed against juliana pena like you know you would think that hey moving up to 135 you won't gas you'll be good um you'll cash as that plus 200 dog but no you know she was winning <laughs> early she was winning early and then juliana pena was like hey you know watch this and she just just glue into her with underhooks. She's like, you can't get away from these underhooks. So now I think, I mean, Wu, the thing is, Wu is not going to be able to defend the takedowns of Nico Montano. Like, it's nope. just not, it's just not possible. So, um, given that it's not possible, you saw, like, look, the anyway fight was, the anyway fight to the Edwards fight, it was two years, okay, or one, a year and a half, right? Year and a half. She didn't get any better, like at all. Like she didn't look any better in that fight to me at all. Not remotely, um, no. Not even a little bit. So you know, Nico Montano should be able to win this fight. Um, if she it has any pride, she'll go for the finish. So <laughs> you know, but it, the over is really juiced. You know, I would definitely not or lay this over. You know, you, uh, John, you know, uh, Martian. I need to because i'm on i just need to like you know you have to mention things like that because you don't know some of these people you know they really do parlay these things like that so i definitely sure. want to parlay over here because, we don't really condone any parlays flat out no be, i mean wasn't jocelyn edwards in mount on woo did right did she have yeah. mount or was she mounted i don't remember no, i think she i do remember edwards being on bottom for like the first four minutes but then she reversed with 30 seconds left and landed like one strike and like the two out of three judges gave her the round there, there was some crazy grappling going on there but what i'm saying is nico could like land in mount and like just smash her so you know don't do that but uh but yeah you know her subline is 600 her, plus 600 pretty good that's Pretty that's good. worth it. I mean, she was taking down Pena, like you said. She looked good in round one. She even got a late takedown in round three. Um, yeah, but... I might need I need action. I might need action on this fight, or this could be the bathroom break fight. But if I did, I mean, that's not a bad subline. Six hundred. You know? Yeah, that's good. That's good. We got we got fooled and yeah, uh, look, tricked by that, that subline last week with Sajara, sadly. But yeah, all right. I mean, you might you might better be off just taking inside the distance. I wonder what that is. Uh, FanDuel like slacking on plus 350 ICM. On, where is that at 420 on uh, Bet Online? Uh, I'm, that's on five. That was just like best line of it. Yeah, plus 325 on that. But I, I had to take the sub prop. Like these, I mean, you know, we're seeing more of these like Mercy TKOs, I guess, you know, here and there. Although we did not see that in that. I mean, maybe would you consider that a least read TKO or Mercy TKO because her eye was so fucked? I don't know. I think, I think. Sajara actually was trying to put a hurting on her. I mean, Sajara's mean, looking mean, man. That's why, man. I saw that corner for for Elise Reed. I was like, ooh, I don't think this is gonna end well. Yeah, yeah. I, w- <laughs> I wish she would have finished. It would have been a lot, a lot more profitable if she finished her. But um, all right, enough, enough of this low level MMA talk. We're moving on to the main yeah. card. 
Um, this isn't really getting much better in terms of quality, but we got Brian Barbarina minus 275, Jason Witt plus 235. Ooh, okay. You want to start this yeah. one off? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, welterweight fight here. Witt got, the, you know, a bomb dropped on his chin in this, in this fight last time. But, you know, he's a guy, he's the vanilla gorilla. You know, I heard he's got some beef with Chase Sherman. I don't know how they're going to settle, settle that. But uh, but but yeah, he wants that nickname to himself, and you know he he he's he's a truck on top, man. You know he takes you down, and you know this dude will hold. You know he'll hold you down. You know I for the guys that train, you know there's always like this one guy who he's not really good at jujitsu, but he's just really good at staying on top, and that's Jason Witt. You know he'll hug your leg, he'll throw little shots, he'll. You know, these guys, these uh, guys training at these MMA gyms, they got these things. They're like, oh, this is my series that I hit like on the cage and stuff like, you know, where like, OK, like a drill almost like, OK, I do this and he does this and I do this. And I and that's the Jason Witt. They they got they've got these things uh, drilled into his head. Uh, but the, unfortunately, when the guy gets drilled in the head, literally, he goes down all the time. <laughs> You know, like, you know, his chin is not the best. And Brian Barberena is impossible to put away. Um, you know, he's coming, but he's crazy chalk here. I mean, you look at this fight and you know, Barberena is talking about he had his, you know, like an eight inch, 10 inch uh, incision. To, you know, he had like emergency ab like abdominal surgery. You know, this guy he might be fragile now. You know, when like was that? It, recently? Yeah, I mean, kind of recently. I don't know. I don't know how long, but I saw some pictures of Barbarino, and he was looking a little rough. You know, he wasn't looking in shape. You know, yeah, uh, certainly not in his physical prime. So, like, I you just I couldn't lay the chalk. But, you know, this guy's active, you know, Barbarina, whether, no matter his, you know, what his physical appearance is, he comes in shape. Usually he's, he has really good cardio and he never stops. So, you know, I think Wit here could probably, is, is, and will probably uh, land some takedowns, uh, you know, here, like, I think they'll grapple a bit. Um, I don't think it's going to be a quick fight. Uh, but I think as the fight goes on, Barbarina probably starts getting getting up. He starts getting some underhooks. He starts put you know putting some punches on on Wit, and then you know Wit's chin maybe folds. But money line here, I mean at plus two thirty five for Wit, you know I think that's pretty good uh, overall because if he's able to to um, you know take some of these shots. Uh, I think that Barbarino is not really going to shut down his game plan. Uh, the the thing Barbarino is going to have to respond to his game plan, if that makes sense. So you know, if this fight is extended, you know, Wit's going to take him down. And he's going to get get to some top positions. I just think that Barbarino is not really a negator. He's just, he's a guy that comes back on you. You know, he's a guy that uh, you know he'll take all the offense that you could dish out, and then he'll still be there, and you're like shit. Like I'm tired, uh. So I think that's kind of Barbarina's uh path, really. Um. So I think Wit could be a look here, and you know, but it's not a fight I'm really interested in. It's just like it's just such a uh, strange matchup with all the variables for Barbarina. Yeah, I agree with uh, a good amount of that. Barb, if you look at his 
past three wins, I mean, just doing this now, like they're not really that far ahead of Jason Witt, Joe Proctor, Jake Ellenberger, and Anthony Ivy. I also don't remember Anthony Ivy taking him down five times. Uh, I didn't, I skipped rewatching that one this week, but yeah, like you said, Brian is insanely durable. Uh, he's got, not the greatest takedown defense, but he's good at getting back up to his feet and staying safe. So I see it being difficult for Wit to finish him. Uh, but Wit by decision at plus 550, that's pretty good value. Um, yeah, I guess it is better or it's more likely that Wit looks like a live dog than it is that uh, Barbarina covers minus 275. I mean, Barb covering minus 275 is probably just going to be touching the chin of Wit in round one and some miracle knockout. But Barbarina is just not much of a finisher. I mean, he does have some knockouts on his record, but he just doesn't really hit that hard. He intentionally doesn't put much power behind his strikes, but uh, I do think he is the much better fighter than Witt. So I think I'm going to be picking them here, but obviously not going to be laying that minus 275 chalk. Uh, I'll still be picking Barb by a uh, decision. Um, and we're going to move on to the next fight. Uh, it's in the, what is this, flyweight division with uh, Benoit versus Adeshev? Uh, See. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, we got Benoit minus 135, Adeshev plus 115. This fight was rebooked uh, for maybe a few months ago. I might have analyzed it on my yeah. podcast before, um, but uh, yeah. you, want, you want to start this one off? Yeah. So Benoit, you know, missed weight last or didn't, you know, couldn't make weight. You know, oh, that's right. Unknown, that's right. unknown what he was going to do um, there. So I think I like Benoit um, at, at, in that first fight. I was like, you know, you know, Adeshev, I know a little bit about uh, some of his past opponents, um, have trained with a few of them, have just, you know, known a few of them just from being a little bit local here. Um, and, you know, I think Adeshev came into the UFC, you know, I think now his situation is a lot better. He's training at Nick Nick Catones. He's training with a lot of the high-level guys there, Frankie Edgar, um, you know, and, and, and the gang of those guys. Uh, there and he has some you know some talent he's a glory kickboxer um but i think you know and in his fights you know he's able to go everywhere right because he is uh he is um you know he has been training jujitsu and wrestling and all these things for a while um but benoit here he has so much more experience than adeshev uh that i think you know unless Adeshev is like really making some of these improvements. I feel that uh, Benoit has the sharper striking here um, and and should have some kind of submission edge, uh, especially, you know, Adeshev is good at um, getting to back to top position, you know, scrambling a little bit. But I think that, you know, the grappling could be to Benoit's advantage. But, you know, Benoit slows down a bit. Um, Adeshev, I think, if I remember right, um, his his uh, third round against Midarji was his best round. You know he was coming on strong there. Or in the second round, I think he was he was he was. Doing I think it was the second. Well. I think it was. Yeah, the but second. I think yeah, but I thought that he 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 also though he performed okay in the third round. You know he definitely lost it, but he performed okay in that third round. So you know I think Benoit here should have some advantage. Um, I'm I'm interested in to see how he tries to approach the fight. Does he look to grapple a lot? Um, or does he, you know, is he content with a kickboxing match and looking to find Adeshev's shin? And that that's another thing. I think he does have a durability advantage. You know, Benoit uh, has taken a lot of shots uh, in the UFC. You know, you've seen him, you know, take a lot of punches. You have not seen that as much with Adeshev. You know, he he fought Sumidarji, who, you know, I guess, like, you know, maybe he has power. I'm not sure. Who knows? Um uh, 
because he hasn't really fought that many people. But um, but Benoit's been the distance, you know, multiple times. I don't think he's been knocked out uh, ever, right? I don't think he has any losses by knockout. Um, so I think he does have the durability edge, and I'd pick him here um, as that slight favorite. You uh, interested in betting him at all? I think that line needs to shorten a bit more. When I bet him last time, I'm checking, I got minus 117. Um, that probably, though, was influenced a little bit by, like, you know, people knowing a little bit that his weight cut was kind of shitty. Uh, so that's something worth considering. Um, but I don't think I'd, you know, I think I would need a... Uh, I, I, I need this line to shorten a little bit to feel very comfortable with it. Um, and I'm not really comfortable on the prop side of things, I'd say. So, but to be determined, though, we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm considering it as well because I agree. Benoit huge experience advantage. Just shared the cage with so many better fighters, and honestly, I think there's a good case he won his past two fights. Uh, I think I remember slightly edging the Alatang fight for, for Alatang, but I mean, he was going toe to toe with Tim Malley. His takedown defense has gotten so much better. I mean, his early UFC fights, he was a really bad wrestler, and he's been stuffing a lot more takedowns. His jujitsu's been getting better. Uh, he was training a lot with. Uh, Henzo in New York before the pandemic. And I just think he he's uh, more steadily improving. You're right that Adeshev could be leveling up here. He did just become like a lot more serious of a fighter in the past year. So he might make like a big leap. But from what we've seen on tape, him beating up a couple low-level guys in Bellator, him having uh, a one good round against Sumadarji, I'm not quite willing to trust him against a tested, well-rounded guy like Benoit. Uh, and Benoit's a southpaw, right? Adeshev, I think, is orthodox. I think um, that could play into Benoit's factor. Yeah, Adeshev, I think Adeshev is southpaw. As well, really? Um, yeah. I have in my notes that he's written, he fights from both stances, high-level note-taking in effect here. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I think he 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 does he'll he'll fight from both, but I think primarily southpaw. I think when 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 uh Nam bombed him, it was it was definitely from southpaw. Yeah, um, I don't yeah I don't put too much stock into that result because he came in short notice. He came in like visibly chubby and you know just True. got rocked. Nam was one. minus one twenty five on that fight. True, that but, was but nuts. I know I bet Nam there. I bet Nam by knockout there. But honestly, like if they run that fight back now, like it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not no, saying no, 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 Nam no, no, again. No, like, no, no, no. Yes, yeah, yes, Nam again. Nam looks so bad his past few fights. I don't no, know. No, 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 no. Nam again. Nam again. Well, I feel like Benoit was supposed to fight Nam at some point, but that never came to fruition. I give you four letters if they run that back. PTSD. True, true. Yeah, he did get bodied pretty hard there. Um, But yeah, I'm siding with uh, Benoit in this one. I think uh, he should have a wrestling grappling advantage. Uh, Honestly, might even be the better striker, even though Adeshev comes from that kickboxing background. So uh, experience is a big factor for Benoit here. So we'll keep you posted on it if we decide to bet him. Um, Next fight in the welterweight division, short notice replacement. Here we got Stolze minus 190. Jared Gooden coming in as the late replacement plus 165. Uh, I'll start this one out. Um, Stolze honestly looked pretty good against Ameev, making his UFC debut against like an extremely tough, like what is Ameev, 20 and one or something like that, five wins in the UFC. And Stolze honestly didn't get like blown out of the water in any area. He got taken down a few times, but he did really good getting back up to his feet. I think he's going to be a pretty difficult guy to hold down. 
And I think he was outstruck um, over the course of that fight, especially in round two. But he had like a good moment in round one with that big knee. And if you watch his octagon fights uh, from before the UFC, uh, the guy is a decent striker. So I agree with him being the favorite here, but I'm definitely not in a rush to play him at 65%, even against a terrible fighter like Gooden. Gooden really is kind of knockout or bust in all of his fights. I don't think he's a great striker. I think he's a terrible defensive grappler, can easily be taken down. He lays on his back for long periods of time. So uh, if Stolze wanted to offensive grapple here, I think he probably would have success hitting takedowns and out grappling Gooden. Um, so he might do that just to take the easiest path to victory, but, uh, Gooden was getting like blown out of the water by, uh, Abu Bakar and Nurmaga Madoff in his last fight on the feet. So I think Stolji should be pretty safe here everywhere, but, um, in no rush to lay the minus one ninety chalk on him. But if you like Gooden, just take him the knockout prop. Honestly, he, he slows down in his fights when he has a full camp and this one's on like a week's notice. So he's definitely going to slow down. So, uh, good knockout is probably the way to play him. Uh, but even that, I don't think I, I, there's much value. And I think Stolzi's going to win. What about you, Ozzy? Uh, so I bet Stolzi last year against him even. I thought, oh, you know, he, he was landing some good kicks. You know, the guy has some good kicks. Um, I think he's solid everywhere overall. But he's just not a fighter you want to back as a favorite. Like... You know, he, he's got like a loss to uh, Terry Brazier, Brazier in his, uh, on his record, who's like a 155er, 145er. I don't know. I feel like Gooden, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about Gooden other <laughs> than he's uh, best uh, Daniel Levy's boy. That's like the only thing I really know about him. True. Uh, he's only got a few losses on his, you know, in his career, uh, and all to pretty legit guys. Like he's lost to Julian Williams, who's the guy who, uh, who runs Adolfo Vieira's camp, uh, Fusion, I think is the name, Graves, Bruno Oliveira, Oban, you know, Narmaga Medoff. So at plus 170 here, I kind of, you know, I mean, if he, if he's not in shape, for this fight, like he's, you know, it's a very bad decision to take it because he's definitely going to get cut. But this is kind of a forgiving matchup. And at plus 165, you know, I think Gooden, uh, you know, is, he's not going to get taken down by Stolze. Um, Not that I think he's, you know, that that's the route he's going to want to go, but I don't think he's going to get taken down. Um, so I think his kick defense needs to be on point. And then he needs to just, you know, look to throw shots. So, you know, in that fight against, uh, Nurmagomedov, obviously, he was getting taken down. Or, I mean, he was getting beat up on the feet, too. But, obviously, he had to think about the takedown. And Joe Ban, tricky southpaw. You know, I mean, he kind of went to war with Joe Ban. That was a pretty good performance, I thought, by him. Yeah, uh, You know, coming in, he was, you know, just a slight underdog. He fought pretty well there. So, um, you know, I was about to pounce on that plus 170. It kind of moved a little bit. So I'm thinking about, hey, do I want to bet him now? But I think here, this line should probably be closer. Like, you know, I mean, it opened plus 110 on Stolze's side. And I think people just want to fade Jer uh, Gooden. So he, he I, opened I, the I dog? Think, uh, I mean, bet online yeah, open, open Stolze the favorite. I mean, uh, in the favorite. That's, that's minus suspicious. 130. I think Dan and Levy set that line. Maybe Dan Levy set that line, but I mean... 
why would you want to lead chalk on Stolzy? Like this guy's yeah. not urgent. He was getting taken down by Ameev. Um, like what if no, Gooden? No what if that. Gooden? What if Gooden? What if Gooden? I mean, Gooden's Jack, dude. I mean, he, you saw him at that uh, at the media day. He was like, "Sure, fuck that." But uh, imagine what imagine what Ameev would do to Gooden. He would like thirty twenty four him. But Ameev, who cares? Ameev just wins by decision. Like, uh, uh, Solzy was just another incarnation of a fight of Ameev's. Like, I, what if uh, Gooden? What if Gooden? What if Gooden grab, grabs him and puts him on his back? Is it easy for Stolzy to get back up? I don't think so. You think Gordon's gonna have or Gooden's gonna have more success out grappling Stolzy than Ameev did? No way. I'm just it, saying he could. He could land. I mean, if they're against the fence, like you don't think that Gooden could, could land a takedown on this guy? He's not going to keep him there for more than 15 seconds because Ameev could barely do it. Um, I just. I thought I mean, Stosi's get ups looked like really good there. Like he, he was like getting to the fence. He was like circling off the fence pretty quickly. Um, and for a UFC debut, it was it was pretty decent. Um, yeah, also, you're right. I'm not betting Gooden. You're right. Stosi also did take down um, this guy, Janka. And. Um, it was in his uh, one of his most recent fights before the UFC. Um, but you watch uh, you watch tape other than UFC. Yeah, bro, for sure. I I, meant, I mentioned it. I said in his octagon fights, he, this guy's uh, eight and six is Jan Janka. Um, eight, whatever. It was eight. Who cares? He's I'm skinny. Saying, you see how skinny this guy is in his but, topology but he's still, picture. But but Stolzy went for an offensive takedown there, so I'm saying it's possible. See this guy's topology picture. Moving on to the next fight. Look how skinny this guy is. <laughs> um, all right, this is one of your main events. You're 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 gonna you're gonna start Which this one we off. On? We're one? on uh, G oh, oh, oh. maybe buys buys minus one seventy. DePaula minus or plus one forty five is the dog. The battle of the contender series frauds GDP. is what I'm calling it. Um, I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw Yahoo Finance. I don't know if you get the notifications. GDP is up. This year gdp is up we grew six percent and gloria de paula uh probably owes me not quite six percent of my bankroll but she owes me a chunk of the bankroll because she let me down in that last fight against gdu frey how does she not beat gdu frey how does she not beat gdu frey can't how? stop a takedown how i can't believe it like it doesn't make any sense and uh, so you, I mean, you see, uh, GDP's last, uh, our, our fights before her last fight looked pretty good. You know, she lost a, a Brazilian zombie, uh, I think Ar Ariani, right? I, th right? I think that's Alda. who. I forgot who she fought, but she fought this Brazilian chick who's a freaking zombie. And, you know, she stayed in there. She looked pretty tough. Um, and I hate this fight for her against Cheyenne Bies. Because Cheyenne Bies, I saw her on Contender. I'm like, whoa, this girl's serious. And she was so serious that the only thing that could beat her is Head the most un unescapable position in all of women's MMA. And, you know, it, it's a head and arm have, throw. Have you learned how to escape that as a brown belt in jiu-jitsu? Uh, do you know how to escape that? Dude, uh, I mean, listen. I don't know. You never know, dude, because you don't know until you're there again. <laughs> you I, mean, know what I, I mean, but I'll like, tell you right now, my, my jujitsu 101 classes, we, we drilled that position a lot. Jujitsu 101, yeah. or like, I, like, like the casuals with like the gi they give out to like when you dude, sign up. It's valuable. 
that's a common position to get into. I'll tell you, my first tournament I ever did, I got thrown by some kid, and then he got he got me with the leg uh, Americana thing that you do from from that position. Then I don't even know what they what they try and call you know from scarf hold. You put the you know you put that wrist in there and you uh yeah he raised. oh right right I was like holy shit this guy. Um, and that's kind of the level, I guess, some of the women's MMA grappling is. It's like if it was, uh, 2008, um, because they love going for this. Maybe 1998, honestly. No, no, dude, respect. Back in the 2000s, people were still hitting the, at an alarming rate. Um, so back to this fight, though, okay? <laughs> Cheyenne buys legit. Like, the, the girl's legit. You know, she's a legit fighter. Um. Got she's got really good hands. She throws in combination. She's tough. She's gritty. She, she'll follow you fucking home. You know she's about that life. Um, so she's coming into this fight against Gloria DePaula, and I mean I think this is a well matched fight. Like to be honest, like I think both these girls, you know, are tough. You know I don't know if Cheyenne buys is going to look to grapple i'm going to assume no you know against hillary rose she was just throwing shots like she'd flurry in on shots and then she like get the clinch and then she flurry in on shots now note that hillary rose let's take a note of this right diane buys is the favorite she'd be hillary rose to get in to get into ufc elise reed scott you know, destroyed by e Eubanks. She be Elise Reed to get into UFC. So maybe my girl GDP, you know, maybe has a chance. You know, maybe she's got a chance. But outside looking in, it's a tough matchup for her because she's just like, I don't know. She, it, I don't know if it says she didn't have that pop, but there was something wrong with her. I, mean, I you know, there was something wrong with her. What do you, against that, Fry? Okay, there was something wrong with her, man. Someone she never saw a body lock takedown in her life. That's what it was. And someone slipped something into her drink. Something happened, man. Something happened. Because I mean, that both, was both not of them GDP. Like, both of them looked like great on the Contender Series. And then, like, Dude. just completely collapsed at the first sign of any grappling adversity. I believe in GDP. I believe in GDP. At plus okay. 150, I think she is the right one to believe in. I believe in GDP. Now, this line was kind of volatile this week. You know, I heard I heard some boys, you know, some maybe touts out there with some, you know, Twitter followers might have tipped a GDP at a certain price, right? Brought it down a little bit, right? And then uh, Cheyenne Buys got to like minus 150 or something like that or 155. And then everybody, and then, you know, went right back up. So... I'm not laying, you know, I don't lay chalk on women's fights. You know, people will laugh at me. They'll say, Eubanks, Easy Cash. Uh, who was the other favorite that won? That you don't typically like, lay chalk on. Because I believe, who, you, I believe you did buy, bet DePaula as a favorite. It's a, it, yes, it was a bad idea. And what happened? Yes. But, you, but yeah. What happened? You've learned your lesson. What happened? Exactly. So, well, who was the other woman's favorite recently that won? That it was like, oh, it was chalk, it was easy, whatever. I don't yeah. do it. So, I'm not doing it now. So, it's GDP or pass, but, you know, it's probably going to be pass. But. Yeah, I won't spend too much time. I agree. GDP or pass. I mean, GDP is better than Monstrat Ruiz, and Baj looked like a plus 300 dog to one of the most basic fighters ever. 
Um, so DePaula should win. Uh, I will say that if Baez like wants to grapple, I think that she probably could hit takedowns because I think Baez is a yeah, little bit. The thing. Baez yeah, is probably the better overall grappler. Like pre UFC, she showed some takedown defense and stuff, but meanwhile, like DePaula kind of collapses at the first hit of takedown. So. If Bias comes in with the right game plan to wrestle, she should win, but I doubt she does, and it'll probably just end up like a 50-50 striking match. So um, I think this fight to end by split decision was like plus three-something, so might as well take Hold that. Hold on, where, where is that? Where are you seeing? Where Draft, are you, where, DraftKings. Where? I think it's plus 350, not going to lie. DraftKings um, Draft stepping up the prop offerings, huh? Yeah, they have a lot, honestly. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the co-main event, one of your most anticipated bouts. We have in the Bantamweight division, the favorite, Kyung Ho Kang, coming off of a two-year layoff, taking on Han Yaya. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> all right, so tell us why you like the Korean in this matchup. Yeah, so, you know, all, great matchup here. You know, definitely deserve co-main event. Both these guys, I mean, you know, it, looking back at Kung, at Kung Ho Kong's um, UFC career, he's got some cool fights. Like that fight against Michinori Tanaka, amazing fight. I loved it. It was it was a grappler's delight. You know, it's insane. Uh, and, and the Ramos fight, he's had some great fights in UFC. But that's, I mean, I don't know what it is with the guy. I don't know if it's, you know, he went to the military service. And then, you know, after he came back, like, not the same anymore. I don't know what's going on. But this Kung Yo Kong, the guy that we've seen, didn't do anything. You see that last fight against uh, Lou? Yeah. He didn't do anything. Not a whole lot happened, yeah. Nothing. That was the most insane lay and pray I've ever seen in my life. No, that's a lie. Same but, versus Davis. Same thing. It's just lay and pray. Nothing. He's not doing anything. You know, he's he's had good luck in his split decisions, you know, three and one in split decisions. You know, I better just delight, you know. Um, uh, but he fought uh she I Hani Yahya is the bet the best under one fifty five grappler that's ever been in the UFC. Okay, the best. Okay. Nah. The best I don't know I don't know who is, but that just doesn't sound right. Honey, yeah, he Juicy Formiga is better than him. No, no, he's not. No, he's yeah, not. He no, he's not. Ronnie Yahya would do bad things to Juicy Formiga if they straight up grappled. Are you kidding me? I don't think so. No idea. He you have, have a little no... bit of size on Dude, him. I'm but... telling you, when I started jujitsu, Ronnie Yahya was like in uh, ADCC 2007. And he, like, you know, on the podium. This guy is an animal on the mat okay i remember he got his arm snapped i think too in the kimura and he was because he just didn't want to tap to like some dude that was that he didn't think should beat him and he's like whatever just let the dude snap his arm so ronnie he has a bad he dude. lost though he lost that match or his arm broke right <laughs> who cares dude what the hell are you crazy <laughs> ever snap somebody's arm that's that's shit is savage a few yeah a few anyway Ani Yahya is the best grappler ever, right? At that weight class. He's 10 and 2. What is he 10 and 2? Who is he 10 and 2 against, uh, John? Asians. <laughs> hey, against Asian fighters, Ronnie Yahya is 10 and 2, okay? And the Kid Yamamoto <laughs> fight, rest in peace, kid. Amazing, you know, another guy back when I first started watching MMA, he was like a superhero. 
Uh, he lost that five-year soccer kick, so that that doesn't even count. So that yeah, that could be ten and one. But all jokes aside, okay, all jokes aside, Aniyahia is going to. I mean, you see the length of Kung Ho King's neck. Kung Ho King, he's not a good striker. He's never he's, struck. He's better than Yaya, though. No, he has never struck for extended periods of time on the feet ever. Yeah, but he's he's better and than as, Yaya. No, he he has a terrible posture on the feet. Yaya throws heat. Yaya throws hard. At, yeah, but at you. I mean, if a kickboxing fight, you you gotta pick. Yaya throws hard. No, because Yaya is going to land the harder punches. Yaya doesn't care. He goes nuts. He's gonna oh. run forward. He's gonna throw power shots, and he's gonna take Kung Ho Kang down. Do you remember how badly Ricky Simone outstruck Hanayaya? Like he, oh. he, 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 like dropped him like several times with punches. Ricky Simone's a lot better than Kung Hyo Kong, for sure. But like not a lot better not striking. Dude. Maybe I think they're pretty comparable. Oh, Kung Hyo Kong, this is not comparable. The resumes of Kung Hyo Kong and Ronnie Yahya, they are not comparable. I agree. I agree with they're that. Not comparable. Ronnie Yahya has never been an underdog. That's true. When's no, the he, last was, time he was this a dog, to, an underdog to Ricky Simone, like I just said. Apparently, he was like even. It was like pick him, and now he's a dog to the Kung Yo Kong. After a two-year layoff, how he was minus one twelve versus Luke Sanders, so a slight favorite to Luke Sanders. Just though. doesn't make any sense that Kung Yo Kong. He's not a good striker. He does not have a good jab. He's just long. For the weight class, he's never hurt someone with a punch. Uh, never. Nah, he, Who he, has he, he hurt rocked, someone he with Tanaka. a punch? He rocked Tanaka with punches. Um, Tanaka has no striking. Yeah, well, Yahya's not that far off. I'll tell you that. All right, so no, uh, Yahya's improved as a striker. I'll you say, I'll say one thing is that his name. the Kang does get leg kicked a lot. If Yahya were to attack, Yahya trains at ATT. What do they do? Kick yeah, calves, but, dude. But, but he's an old Brazilian grappler. He's not going to just invent this new aspect to his game. Brazilians uh, kick 30, calves. At 35 dude. years old. Uh, um, I mean, it would be a good game plan, but um, I mean, I am in agreement with most things uh, Most things you said. I don't think that uh, Yaya should be the underdog because uh, if he's winning this fight, uh, it's going to be in rounds one and two. He does kind of slow down as the fight goes on. Um, look, 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 look. Let me interject one more time, okay? People say that, right? Rani Yahya slows down, right? Okay, so he is six and seven in decisions. Terrible. It's not good, right? That's not good. Kongyo Kong is four and five in decisions. Right, but he slows down. No, I, he, I don't know about that. And he's three and one in, in split decisions. Right, but but we just saw Yahya. Rani Yahya should be. Yahya pretty comfortably beat. Uh, Barzola in the first two rounds and still slow down like pretty heavily. Rania like, should be clearly the favorite. Okay, all right, yeah, I, I don't, I don't totally disagree with that. But, but Yaya did have like a pretty easy fight against Barzola. Like he was top positioning. Easy. Who's still, ever beat it? Gets. Who's ever beat uh, Barzola easy? Uh, he, Ke Bar Kevin Bar Aguilar. Um, Barzola beat uh, Evloev. I mean, he didn't beat him. Yes, he did. Um. Well, all I'm saying is that that you shouldn't be too confident in a, in a 35 year old Brazilian guy uh, who does slow down in round three. Um, I think Kang uh, is the better striker, uh, but he doesn't have great takedown defense. Um, 
But I could see one thing. I, I did see this in the Tanaka fight. Uh, Tanaka was going for like those low single legs with the head on the outside, and that allowed Kang um, to kind of sweep around and take the back. And Yaya does go for those those singles with his head on the outside. So uh, as long as he doesn't There's get his no back, no way Kang Yo Kang. Will he's not going to grapple. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. He's yeah, not going yeah. to keep the back, it's but impossible. He still might, he, he's not going to keep the back, but he might get his back taken. Uh, I think I would just bet Kang KO rather than his money line. Like, I don't see a way. Like, Kang's not really a great minute winner. Like you said, he's not really active. He doesn't do a whole lot. So, like, Kang knockout probably covers, I think, a lot of his win conditions. So, just take that instead of money line. But I agree. Yaya should be the favorite. Um, and Kang's second fight in this hemisphere, FYI, one in record is one in one. That that's on, actually a decent hemisphere. thing. Is yeah, he hasn't fought much outside of uh, outside of Asia. Um, two year I'm, layoff. All right, that's uh, only only uh twenty months, not quite two years. Um, all right, we'll move on with that. I think we're both in agreement that yeah, uh, I'm not as confident that Yaya will win. Um. But I do think he should be the slightly. How favorite. is he not? How is he not the favorite? Come on, he, he's gonna. He might get knocked out in round three, like Danilo Marks a couple weeks back. Mark, this guy's never knocked someone out. Yeah, but um, I think he. I think he does hit harder. I think he's the better striker. He's got way quicker at this uh this stage of their career. So I think it could happen. His um, one. He has two knockout wins. One is by doctor stoppage. Yeah, but you know you can't just tell everything from the record i like i said better striker at this stage of their career all right that's enough of this fight that's enough we're gonna move on to the main event and it's in the middleweight division we got strickland as the favorite minus oh, one was the corner stoppage that's crazy wow. there's no way kong Ho kong's finishing ronnie yahya all right zero i don't know i don't know so zero five unit maximum ronnie on. yahya no scorecards should be like minus 500 Right, we can move on. All right, uh, main event: Strickland <laughs> minus two ten, Hall plus one eighty. Um, I'll let you get your thoughts out there on this one first. Okay. Um. So I mean, solid-ish main event. I think this is a, you know pretty good fight between two Yikes. guys. Solid-ish main event. You know, I mean, in the sense that, uh, I'd rather see these guys fight five rounds than three. So. Um, really? I don't, I don't know. Hey, look, listen, listen, will I be watching this? Zero percent chance. I'm going to be watching this superior promotion putting on their fight card. Zero chance that I'm watching the UFC main event today. But I think it's, you know, I mean, it's not the worst fight in the world. Um, you know, you got Strickland who, I mean, I still don't, I mean, Strickland's been around for a long time. You know, I think, you know, Strickland, basically, he got the reputation. I think this guy got turned pro when he was like 16, 17, uh, and he eventually got into UFC because people were like, yo, look, you got to get this guy in the UFC because he's insane. You know, all he wants to do is fight and like you need to get him into UFC. Like, yeah, just this like crazy reputation. Like he's been in the UFC since 2014. You know, he's been in there for forever, and he started off in the welterweight division. Uh, he was a really good prospect, um, and he's, you know, had a few hiccups here and there. But overall, he's kept uh, he's kept pretty clean uh, in most of his performances. Uh, you know, he comes into his fight against Hall, though. You know, when I'm looking at, you know, some of the tendencies that, uh, 
Strickland has where he's like sometimes throwing punches uh where he's like on the wrong hip like he's like kind of just like like teetering back and forth throwing these shots and he's like not really setting his feet and his chin's in the air and his hands are down you know I think it helps him for sure to to land some unconventional shots and a lot of shots uh you know as evident in that Brandon, Brandon Allen fight where he just landed a crazy amount of punches uh in a really short amount of time uh for for while that uh fight lasted but here against hall i think he's going to put himself into a lot of danger because one he has some familiarity and he's like hey look like you know if you give your eye hall space you know he could really mess you up uh so he's definitely going to come with the pressure i think but there's going to be big opportunities i feel for hall to land uh you know big punches especially on uh on on sean strickland and it's just going to become a matter of how composed does uh, uriah hall uh stay under the blitz attack of uh sean strickland because strickland is out there you know i don't know if you want to call him a point fighter but he's definitely a volume based guy so um you know that that's his his finish would come by attrition so there's going to be clashes here and that's why i think the under here is is maybe uh you know interesting because hall most of his wins have come by knockout so if he wins i think you know there's a good chance that you know he's landing a big shot and if strickland wins you know i think it's because he grinded hall down you know you saw hall uh will under the pressure of paulo costa um and, and and some other guys but you know i think he's definitely maturing in his career but you know he's a guy who's who he he's liable to like smell his own like bask in the glory of like the wind of over like chris weidman he's like oh yeah like i break people's bones like you know i'm such a great striker like you know that's my defense and all that so you know i mean you got to build the fight and you know it is what it is um i think strickland uh will put the pressure on him maybe could find a finish but i'm not as high on sean strickland as most um i bet jocko against him and it was a terrible bet because he just hunted him down in this small cage though you know i think he has some kind of advantage but i think he should probably look to to get hauled to the ground at some point uh and and wear him down that way and then maybe look to finish your strikes but i think it you know at, at minus 210 i think that's too uh, a bit too wide yeah i agree with a lot there and one thing you said is that um strickland's defense isn't the best he kind of relies on his chin at times and he can do that against like forgiving punchers like he's been fighting um but i mean uh, i'm getting a little echo ozzy can you mute your mic real quick um but uh hall obviously a much harder striker than the guys that uh that strickland's been fighting recently but i just think if you look at hall's past few fights i mean there's so much like negativity i think he Lost round one to Jocko, came back and won that. Got completely destroyed by Costa. Was losing to Bivon Lewis. He was losing rounds to Anderson Silva. I mean, I just don't think there's a lot of positivity in his recent fights. Uh, I mean, the guy still has some power in his hands. He can come back from losing fights. Um, but he's going to need to win by knockout here. I just don't see any way he can win rounds against Strickland. Strickland has so much better volume. Uh, the only way I see Hall landing or winning rounds is off of knockdowns, but I don't think that's that's too likely. Uh, I think that uh, Hall's just going to be a step behind. Strickland's going to be pumping volume in his face the entire time. 
And I do have a bet on this fight. Uh, one unit Strickland, 4-5 decision at plus 135. I think that should be like a 50% outcome here. Um, I really don't think Hall has a good chance to win the fight if it goes to the cards. And I don't think that Strickland's going to finish him in rounds one, two, or three because Strickland kind of takes his time and picks his opponents apart. Um, and I just don't think that uh, he's really going to come at Hall that aggressively early on. We might see a late finish here uh, on uh, on either side, honestly. Uh, fight ends by knockout, minus 130. That's probably a better way to play the under or the fight doesn't good decision because um, I don't see an end in my sub here. So um, I like Strickland here. I'm not in love with minus 210 for the money line, but uh, I found a prop that I like. So uh, I'm not too intrigued by this fight. I, I don't think Hall is like a five-round fighter. Um, kind of pissed off they gave him five rounds against Anderson Silva. Would have been an easy walk-off victory for Silva, but they made that five rounds for some unforeseen reason. Um, so not too excited about this one. Like like Ozzy said, uh, the Belter fights are probably going to be uh, on the number one screen for most people. Um, so that's going to do it for this podcast. Um, you want to do any quick recap thoughts? You want to quick mention any bets you like besides Hani Aya? Um, I mean, Rani Aya, I mean, I think, I think definitely a good bet. Um, let's see. Uh, no, I think I gave, I think I get, I think the people, you know, the real ones yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, you got to listen to the whole thing and to get the, all the bets. You can't get like a synopsis at the end. I think on Bellator though, to give you a quick Bellator, what I'm thinking uh, I mean, Maz Brunel, that line's moved a bit. Um, you know, Patricio versus AJ McKee. I mean, AJ McKee's a bad dude. Like, I definitely would not want to fight him. I lean under. You know, I think if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to bet that fight, um, you know, I'd only bet Patricio. You know, that guy's the GOAT. Um, but potentially the under because AJ McKee's just a wild man. Um, so, so I think I'd lean under there. Um, and that's probably, and then I'm thinking, I'm looking at, um, Gonzalez, right? That's all I'll say. Yep. Yep. We're in agreement there. If you'd like McKee, just play him by knockout at plus 450. I don't see him, uh, submitting or winning rounds off of Patricio. Um, under's not bad though. It probably does end by finish. I'm picking Patricio there and he is now the slight underdog on bet online. So look out for plus money on Patricio. Um, and that's going to do it for this podcast. Uh, I'll come at you guys tomorrow with the Martian MMA episode, breaking down these fights again. And uh, thanks for Ozzy uh, for joining me once again. This is uh, going to be our consistent podcast now. I'll try to get these out every single week and keep dropping some knowledge. Our first episode was a gigantic success, 16 units profit across the two of us. Um, so, uh, yep, hope you all enjoy the fights on Saturday. Hope you all enjoy the Belter fights and hope you all win some bets.